Chapter Thirteen, Part One of the Crock of Gold by James Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Book Four: The Philosopher's Return. Chapter Thirteen, Part One which is the earth or the creatures that move upon it the more important this is a question prompted solely by intellectual arrogance for in life there is no greater and no less the thing that is has justified its own importance by mere existence for that is the great and equal achievement if life were arranged for us from without such a question of supremacy would assume importance but life is always from within and is modified or extended by our own appetites aspirations and central activities from without we get pollen and the refreshment of space and quietude it is sufficient we might ask is the earth anything more than an extension of our human consciousness or are we moving creatures only projections of the earth's antenna but these matters have no value save as a field wherein thought like a wise lamb may frolic merrily and all would be very well if thought would but continue to frolic instead of setting up first as locum tenens for intuition and sticking to the job and afterwards as the counsel and critic of omnipotence everything has two names and everything is twofold the name of male thought as it faces the world is philosophy but the name it bears in tirnanog is delusion female thought is called socialism on earth but in eternity it is known as illusion and this is so because there has been no matrimony of minds but only an hermaphroditic propagation of automatic ideas which in their due rotation assume dominance and reign severely to the world this system of thought because it is consecutive is known as logic but eternity has written it down in the book of errors as mechanism for life may not be consecutive but explosive and variable else it is a shackled and timorous slave one of the great troubles of life is that reason has taken charge of the administration of justice and by mere identification it has achieved the crown and sceptre of its master but the imperceptible usurpation was recorded and discriminating minds understand the chasm which still divides the pretender law from the exiled king in a like manner and with feigned humility the cold demon advanced to serve religion and by guile and violence usurped her throne but the pure in heart still fly from the spectre theology to dance in ecstasy before the starry and eternal goddess statecraft also that tender shepherd of the flocks has been despoiled of his crook and bell and wanders in unknown desolation while beneath the banner of politics reason sits howling over an intellectual chaos justice is the maintaining of equilibrium the blood of cain must cry and not from the lips of the avenger but from the aggrieved earth herself who demands that atonement should be made for a disturbance of her consciousness all justice is therefore readjustment a thwarted consciousness has every right to clamor for assistance but not for punishment 
this latter can only be sought by timorous and egotistic intellect which sees the earth from which it has emerged and into which it must return again in its own despite and so being self-centred and envious and a renegade from life reason is more cruelly unjust and more timorous than any other manifestation of the divinely erratic energy erratic because it has been said the crooked roads are the roads of genius nature grants to all her creatures an unrestricted liberty quickened by competitive appetite to succeed or to fail save only to reason her demon of order which can do neither and whose wings she has clipped for some reason with which i am not yet acquainted it may be that an unrestricted mentality would endanger her own intuitive perceptions by shackling all her other organs of perception or annoy her by vexatious efforts at creative rivalry it will therefore be understood that when the leprechauns of gortnaklokamora acted in the manner about to be recorded they were not prompted by any lewd passion for revenge but were merely striving to reconstruct a rhythm which was their very existence and which must have been of direct importance to the earth revenge is the vilest passion known to life it has made law possible and by doing so it gave to intellect the first grip at that universal dominion which is its ambition a leprechaun is of more value to the earth than is a prime minister or a stockbroker because a leprechaun dances and makes merry while a prime minister knows nothing of these natural virtues consequently an injury done to a leprechaun afflicts the earth with misery and justice is for these reasons an imperative and momentous necessity a community of leprechauns without a crock of gold is a blighted and merciless community and they are certainly justified in seeking sympathy and assistance for the recovery of so essential a treasure but the steps whereby the leprechauns of gordonaclocomora sought to regain their property must forever brand their memory with a certain odium it should be remembered in their favor that they were cunningly and cruelly encompassed not only was their gold stolen but it was buried in such a position as placed it under the protection of their own communal honor and the household of their enemy was secured against their active and righteous malice because the thin woman of inish mcgrath belonged to the most powerful she of ireland it is in circumstances such as these that dangerous alliances are made and for the first time in history the elemental beings invoked bourgeois assistance they were loath to do it and justice must record that fact they were angry when they did it and anger is both mental and intuitive blindness it is not the beneficent blindness which prevents one from seeing without but it is that desperate darkness which cloaks the within and hides the heart and brain from each other's husbandry and wifely recognition but even those mitigating circumstances could not justify the course they adopted and the wider idea must be sought for that out of evil good must ultimately come or else evil is vitiated beyond even the redemption of usage when they were able to realize of what they had been guilty they were very sorry indeed and endeavored to publish their repentance in many ways but lacking atonement repentance is only a post-mortem virtue which is good for nothing but burial
when the leprechauns of gortnacloakamora found that they were unable to regain their crock of gold by any means they laid an anonymous information at the nearest police station showing that two dead bodies would be found under the hearthstone in the hut of Cuila Duraca, and the inference to be drawn from their crafty missive was that these bodies had been murdered by the philosopher for reasons very discreditable to him the philosopher had been scarcely more than three hours on his journey to angus og when four policemen approached the little house from as many different directions and without any trouble they effected an entrance the thin woman of inishmagroth and the two children heard from afar their badly muffled advance and on discovering the character of their visitors they concealed themselves among the thickly clustering trees shortly after the men had entered the hut loud and sustained noises began to issue therefrom and in about twenty minutes the invaders emerged again bearing the bodies of the grey woman of dungorton and her husband they wrenched the door off its hinges and placing the bodies on the door proceeded at a rapid pace through the trees and disappeared in a short time when they had departed the thin woman and the children returned to their home and over the yawning hearth the thin woman pronounced a long and fervid malediction wherein policemen were exhibited naked before the blushes of eternity with your good will let us now return to the philosopher following his interview with angus og the philosopher received the blessing of the god and returned on his homeward journey when he left the cave he had no knowledge where he was nor whether he should turn to the right hand or to the left this alone was his guiding idea that as he had come up the mountain on his first journey his home-going must by mere opposition be down the mountain and accordingly he set his face downhill and trod lustily forward he had stamped up the hill with vigour he rode down it in ecstasy he tossed his voice on every wind that went by from the wells of forgetfulness he regained the shining words and gay melodies which his childhood had delighted in and these he sang loudly and unceasingly as he marched the sun had not yet risen but far away a quiet brightness was creeping over the sky the daylight however was near the full one slender veil only remaining of the shadows and a calm unmoving quietude brooded from the grey sky to the whispering earth the birds had begun to bestir themselves but not to sing now and again a solitary wing feathered the chill air but for the most part the birds huddled closer in their swinging nests or under the bracken or in the tufty grass here a faint twitter was heard and ceased a little farther a drowsy voice called cheep cheep and turned again to the warmth of its wing the very grasshoppers were silent the creatures who range in the night-time had returned to their cells and were setting their households in order and those who belonged to the day hugged their comfort for but one minute longer then the first level beam stepped like a mild angel to the mountain top the slender radiance brightened and grew strong the grey veil faded away the birds leapt from their nests the grasshoppers awakened and were busy at a stroke voice called to voice without ceasing and momently a song thrilled for a few wide seconds 
but for the most part it was chatter chatter they went as they soared and plunged and swept each bird eager for its breakfast the philosopher thrust his hand into his wallet and found there the last broken remnants of his cake and the instant his hand touched the food he was seized by a hunger so furious that he sat down where he stopped and prepared to eat the place where he sat was a raised bank under a hedge and this place directly fronted a clumsy wooden gate leading into a great field when the philosopher had seated himself he raised his eyes and saw through the gate a small company approaching there were four men and three women and each of them carried a metal pail the philosopher with a sigh returned the cake to his wallet saying all men are brothers and it may be that these people are as hungry as i am in a short time the strangers came near the foremost of them was a huge man who was bearded to the eyelids and who moved like a strong wind he opened the gate by removing a piece of wood wherewith it was jammed and he and his companions passed through whereupon he closed the gate and secured it to this man as being the eldest the philosopher approached i am about to breakfast said he and if you are hungry perhaps you would like to eat with me why not said the man for the person who would refuse a kind invitation is a dog these are my three sons and three of my daughters and we are all thankful to you saying this he sat down on the bank and his companions placing their pails behind them did likewise the philosopher divided his cake into eight pieces and gave one to each person i'm sorry it is so little said he a gift said the bearded man is never little and he courteously ate his piece in three bites although he could have easily eaten it in one and his children also it was a good satisfying cake said he when he had finished it was well baked and well shared but he continued i am in a difficulty and maybe you could advise me what to do sir what might be your trouble said the philosopher it is this said the man every morning when we go out to milk the cows the mother of my clan gives to each of us a parcel of food so that we need not be any hungrier than we like but now we have had a good breakfast with you what shall we do with the food that we brought with us the woman of the house would not be pleased if we carried it back to her and if we threw food away it would be a sin if it was not disrespectful to your breakfast the boys and girls here might be able to get rid of it by eating it for as you know young people can always eat a bit more no matter how much they have already eaten it would surely be better to eat it than to waste it said the philosopher wistfully the young people produced large parcels of food from their pockets and opened them and the bearded man said i have a little one myself also and it would not be wasted if you were kind enough to help me to eat it and he pulled out his parcel which was twice as big as any of the others he opened the parcel and handed the larger part of its contents to the philosopher then he plunged a tin vessel into one of the milk pails and set this also by the philosopher and instantly they all began to eat with furious appetite when the meal was finished the philosopher filled his tobacco pipe and the bearded man and his three sons did likewise sir 
said the bearded man i would be glad to know why you are travelling abroad so early in the morning for at this hour no one stirs but the sun and the birds and the folk who like ourselves follow the cattle i will tell you that gladly said the philosopher if you will tell me your name my name said the bearded man is mac cool last night said the philosopher when i came from the house of angus og in the caves of the sleepers of erin i was bidden to say to a man named mac cool that the horses had trampled in their sleep and the sleepers had turned on their sides sir said the bearded man your words thrill in my heart like music but my head does not understand them i have learned said the philosopher that the head does not hear anything until the heart has listened and that what the heart knows to-day the head will understand to-morrow all the birds of the world are singing in my soul said the bearded man and i bless you because you have filled me with hope and pride so the philosopher shook him by the hand and he shook the hands of the sons and daughters who bowed before him at the mild command of their father and when he had gone a little way he looked around again and he saw that group of people standing where he had left them and the bearded man was embracing his children on the high road a bend in the path soon shut them from view and then the philosopher fortified by food and the freshness of the morning strode onwards singing for very joy it was still early but now the birds had eaten their breakfasts and were devoting themselves to each other they rested side by side on the branches of the trees and on the hedges they danced in the air in happy brotherhoods and they sang to one another amiable and pleasant ditties End of chapter thirteen part one